Welcome back. This is part two of a two-part series on the Panama Papers. Welcome to Fraud Talk, the ACFE's monthly podcast. I'm Sarah Hoffman, the public relations specialist for the ACFE, and today we are joined by Jeffrey Robinson, the best-selling author of 30 books and an anti-money laundering expert. It's going to be near impossible to really ever stop this just because there's so much capital at play. But for for ideas of kind of the let best... Me, let me just interrupt you and tell you how much capital. How much? When I wrote Laundryman, we were able to estimate with the IMF and a few other people that there was 100 to $300 billion in dirty money circling the globe. This is in the 25 years ago, in the early 90s. Drug money, the Cali cartel, the Medellin cartel, these guys. <clears throat> Merger, which was the sequel in the late 90s, the figure went up 300 to 500 billion. When I wrote Sync a few years later about the offshore world, we were able to say it's now five to $700 billion circling the globe. Today, that figure is well over a trillion dollars. There is a trillion dollars in dirty money, illicit money, whether it's public corruption, whether it's corporate corruption, whether it's drug money, yes, tax evasion, uh, all sorts of things. Over a trillion dollars looking to get clean. That's a pretty big, pretty big market for sleazebags like Masek and Fonseca to work into and say we can get a little piece of that. But that money, that trillion dollars, represents a mere 10% of the assets held in the offshore world. 10%. There's over $10 trillion in assets sitting in these islands that are hidden from the tax authorities, yes, but also hidden from any sort of law enforcement scrutiny. No one knows who owns it. They're hidden behind shell companies and absolutely out of the way. And they, it represents a huge political and criminal force. You know, $10 trillion can buy you an awful lot of whatever you want to buy. And this feeds not only criminal activity, but it feeds terrorism. I mean, they, they have linked the Los Angeles Times some years ago, linked the Hamas group to, uh, to Panama. And you find Hamas and Hezbollah all over Latin and South America doing funny things. I mean, it, you know, they, look, at, look at what's going on on the southern, our southern border with Mexico. Mexico is in the, in the midst of an economic civil war, all because it's become a narco economy because of the drug trafficking groups. A number of those drug traffickers have been named in the Panama Papers thing. I, you, you know, this cannot be allowed to continue. It's not just some guy trying to keep 50 grand from his wife during the divorce proceedings. This is $10 trillion worth of hidden money that could actually blow up the legitimate economy. In your opinion, then, what do you think is the best angle to approach trying to stop this? Should we be turning to law enforcement or should there be more leaks like this to inform the public more that this is going on? What do you think is the best course of action for just even starting to make this a bigger issue? I've always said that what you have to do is you have to look at the gatekeepers. You have to look at the bankers, the lawyers, the accountants, the company formation agents, and the brokers. You have to look at the Mossack Fonseca's of this world, and they're only the fourth largest. There are three bigger than them. What do you think they're doing? You have to look at them, and you have to prosecute these guys, and you have to put them in a six-by-four-foot cell in an orange jumpsuit with a cellmate named uh, uh, Herman, who's got two fang tattoos on the side of his neck. That gets a banker's attention. That gets a lawyer's attention. When you throw them in jail for 20 years, when you simply slap their wrists the way the OECD and the FATF do, who have no power. I mean, every time they open their mouths, their dentures fall out. 
it, it's it's a, almost a joke. They put Panama on the list. Panama says, look, we got a bright new white wedding dress. They take Panama off the blacklist. I mean, it's ridiculous. You've got to throw people in jail. When you start throwing bankers and lawyers and accountants and company formation agents, and I hope Mrs. Masak and Fonseca are first on the list, and brokers, you throw them all in jail for laundering money, that will get people's attention. That will have an effect. Nothing short of that will work. So a big topic right now, kind of that uh, Bill Gates recently spoke about, and also that people are just talking about in general, is that it seems like no prominent Americans have or American names have really come up in this leak. Uh, why do you think that is? Well, it's like it's like fraud. The dumb ones get caught. The smart ones get away with it. If you had, let's say, I mean, let's go back to tax evasion. Let's say you have a hundred million dollars in taxes that you want to avoid paying. You could afford to spend $5 million. You could afford to spend $10 million on lawyers and accountants and bankers to help you hide that money. You can spend big money. If you're going to pay 100 you know, what's 10 Now, if, if, if you're a guy, I'll give you a perfect example, which is a case I covered. Um, there was a, a, a leak of documents from a Cayman's bank, and the IRS got a hold of it and found out there were 10,000 professionals in the United States who had these bank accounts undeclared in the Caymans. And so they went to them and they said, uh, you know, knock on the door, uh, Dr. So-and-so or dentist so-and-so or lawyer so-and-so, we'd like to talk to you about your Caymans bank account. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, yeah, it's number 12345 and you have a visa card on the account and we've now seen the records. You took your girlfriend to Paris and you paid for the Paris trip on the money in, hidden in the Caymans, and your wife will be very proud of you when she finds that. Oh, that Caymans account. Yeah, uh, what can I do? Well, you can, you can pay the fine and pay your taxes. Those are the guys who get caught because they're dumb. They don't understand how to do it. When you've got the $100 million, you do it in a whole variety of ways, not least of which is through all sorts of shell companies in various jurisdictions and secret bank accounts in and out of trusts and and. Uh, uh, like in Switzerland, where they've got something called a Red Cross Trust, which is a highly suspect operation, and, and you you don't have your name on any of it. Your name never appears. Now, there's something there is some, there are in the statutes again in Panama, certainly with politically exposed persons. There's an obligation to find out who the beneficial owner of the money is. So that's how the Prime Minister of Iceland gets caught because he's an idiot. Because his name as beneficial owner was on some piece of paper someplace. The guy with the $100 million trying to avoid taxes, or the, the politically exposed person who is bilking the, the national treasury for billions, his name doesn't appear anyplace. Saddam Hussein's name never appeared on any of these companies. Mubarak's name never appeared. Gaddafi's name never appeared. It's all in shell companies that are set up in various ways that are designed specifically to hide the beneficial owner. Now, were Masek and Fonseca selling those, those kind of instruments? I suspect they had to be, because if they knew the beneficial owner was politically exposed, they should have said, I'm sorry, we can't take this. We can't deal with this. You're not going to get a bank account because the banks are going to question where this money comes from. You're earning $10,000 a year as the president of your company. How do you suddenly have $14 billion? No, it doesn't work like that. So... You know, hi, I'm a lawyer representing a Hong Kong corporation that is owned in Luxembourg by some Swiss, and we need to set up a corporation that will uh, move money between um, 
uh, Brazil and England. And Masak Fonseca or the company formation agents or whoever never say who's the beneficial owner because why do they have to? They, they have plausible deniability. They're dealing with a lawyer. Um, it's very simple. And they sell the product. Now, they will say, and, and Raymond uh, Fonseca has said, you know, we're like the people who, who build, uh, who make cutlery for your kitchen. If some woman takes one of our knives, a kitchen knife, and stabs her husband, that's not our fault. I say it's not a true comparison. What Masek and Fonseca and the other company formation agents and what Panama as a nation have been doing has been manufacturing the gas and building the gas chambers and selling them to the Germans. They no longer have a right to say, I'm sorry, we didn't kill six million people. They are guilty. Do you think that with the publicity kind of of this leak that we'll start to see more people, maybe that, especially the people that were implicated in it so far, moving their money and sitting on it for a little bit? Or are they going to immediately try and place it elsewhere in a country that hasn't been exposed yet? Well, they're going to try and move it. I mean, if, if, you, if you suddenly see that you've got money that's in jeopardy, you're going to panic and say, what do I do? Now, if it's only a little bit of money, it sort of pays to fess up and work out a deal. But if it's serious money, it's not going to be affected because you've already protected yourself. You look at the way, for instance, the Colombians are now laundering money. And you see the dangers of Panama. They use something called the black market peso exchange. And in the old days, in the days of Pablo Escobar, they would take the cash from the drug sales in the United States and stick it in fridges or in suitcases or in cars or however they could do it. Remember, cars like the French Connection. However they could do it and ship it back to Colombia. Now they've figured out a way where they no longer have to launder the money. They launder goods. They have agents called Black Market Peso Exchange agents who find a guy like I found in Colombia when I covered a story, big Black Market Peso Exchange uh, story, uh, an industrialist in, in Panama, in, in Colombia, who was not paying his taxes and had a lot of cash under his bed. He's approached by a, a black market peso exchange guy. The, the black market peso exchange broker says to the industrialist, uh, you've got $10 million under your bed. I'll tell you what, let me have the $10 million. I'm going to give you, I'm going to get you $8 million in America. It's going to cost you 20% to launder the money, but I'm going to get you $8 million something in America. So he gives him the $10 million. He goes to the drug trafficker, who says, and he says, you've got $10 million in, in America. I'm going to give you... Eight million. So he's making this percentage on both ends. And now the industrialist owns the money, the street money, in Dallas and New York and Chicago and Miami. It's consolidated and put into something, whether it be television sets or uh, backhoe loaders or, in one case, a helicopter. The goods are then sent to the Panama Canal Zone, where they are registered in Panama and owned by a Panamanian company. They are then moved into Colombia where they are sold and that money is given back to the industrialist. So he now has legally declared money instead of this money sitting under the bed. The drug trafficker is happy. He's got his cash. Everybody in America has made a certain percentage on this deal. And the industrialist, maybe he wanted to, always wanted a helicopter. He's got himself a free helicopter. Or even better, he's got a helicopter that he rents on his business, which is now owned, as I said, by a Panamanian company. So he now pays money to Panama 
for the use of the helicopter. But that money in Panama belongs to him and is moved into Europe, where he can then go take his girlfriend to Paris. I mean, it's, it's, th- these money circuits are huge, and everybody is making a lot of money on the back of it. And it all revolves around these cesspools like Panama. The Panamanian president, Juan Carlos Varela, who happens to be best buds, best mates with Fonseca and, uh, and Mossack. They're his best friends. He's saying, no, 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 we've cleaned it up. This is a, an anomaly. We're going to get to the bottom of this. Yeah, sure he is. Sure he is. You will know that he's cleaned it up when charges are levied in a grand jury in the United States against Mossack Fonseca and Varela deports them. He extradites them to America. That's when you'll know it's cleaned up. Until then, don't hold your breath. With this being a big story, do you think that increasing the public awareness is going to cause any type of kind of shift in the tides with the public now being possibly more aware of this, or is this going to fade back into obscurity? Yeah, it becomes an, it becomes an election issue for David Cameron, whose father had an offshore company with Mossack Fonseca, and, and Cameron sold it and suddenly got caught. You know, why didn't you ever declare it? Oh, well, I should have. You're right. I'll pay the taxes. It becomes an election issue. But the public attention span is very, very short. You know, this is not the first time the ICIJ, the International uh, uh, Conglomeration of Investigative Journalists, it's not the first time that they've broken stories on the offshore world. There was a release of documents, uh, when was it, uh, a couple of years ago, that knocked Switzerland and other offshore entities. Public forgets. Public doesn't care. Seriously. Do you care if the president of pick a country pays his taxes no i care if the president of the united states doesn't pay his taxes but the president of some tin pot operation in in africa or eastern europe i don't what do we care? what does any of us care we should care about the money that is being used to refinance crimes of all types and terrorism we should care about that but no masek and fonseca will will probably close their offices and uh, reconstitute their business and go back into business or just retire because they've got enough money to do it. And, um, and that'll be the end of them, and somebody else will take their place. That's what happens. You, you get rid of one, and three other people will take their place, and still, this will still happen. It will happen until people start getting thrown in prison. That's when people will take a, the, the guys who are doing it will take notice. When setting up these shell companies, how much do you actually need to be either in the country physically or have a physical intermediary, or can it all be done remotely? Does that happen over legitimate channels, or would that happen over a dark web? Totally legitimate. You, uh, you know, you, in the old days, you could open the yellow pages. Today, just Google it. Company formation agents, and they will be, they, they all have websites. You can do it on the web with a credit card. Again, the dumb ones use the credit card because that can be traced back to you. What, what you do is you go to your banker or you go to your lawyer or you go to a specialist lawyer who, and you say to him, my name is protected by client attorney privilege. I want you to look into the idea of setting up a shell company for me uh, that will go through Hong Kong, Luxembourg, Switzerland, the Caymans, and the Bahamas. And I don't want this ever traced back to me. Uh, and what I'm going to do well, I'm not going to tell my lawyer this, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to put criminally earned money, dirty money, into these accounts, move them around across borders because the police jurisdiction stops at the borders, in and out of secret bank accounts, and there are lots of countries that have them. I, mean, I think it's 70 countries around the world 
have secret banking, like Switzerland or worse. And I'm going to then take that money, and I'm going to do a double back loan. So I've earned $50 million selling cocaine. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take that $50 million that's sitting around in all these offshore companies, and I'm now going to go to another lawyer, and I'm going to say, that office building right there on the corner, um, I want to buy that office building. And he says, well, I know it's for sale, but, you know, this is, you're buying a 35-story office building. That's expensive. He says, well, it's not a problem. Uh, I'm going to borrow the money from a bank, and I will get the money from my bank. Okay, I'll negotiate the sale for you. And I go to a bank, and I say, I want to borrow $50 million against this building. And they say, well, what are you going to secure it with? And he said, I'm going to secure it with the $50 million I've got sitting in other bank accounts. They give you $50 million, you buy the bank, and one day the FBI knocks on your door and says, you're a drug trafficker. You say, no, I'm not. I'm in the real estate business. I own that building over there. And I collect rent. And by the way, pal, I pay my taxes. Here, here are my books. Everything is completely legitimate. And I have successfully become a legitimate businessman off the back of laundered money. If there was no Panama, that couldn't happen. If there was no Switzerland, that couldn't happen. But then the Swiss, a Swiss banker, big deal Swiss banker, said to me years ago, if you eliminated secret banking in Switzerland, tomorrow all you would do is create unemployment because the money would go someplace else. Now, we have, we have in, in America something called FATCA, which is the Something 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 Tax Compliance Act, and that Foreign Account Tax Compliance Act. And that says, uh, we, the U.S. government, are going to bang down your door, Antigua, and the Bahamas and the Caymans. And if your banks have an American there, you better tell us. Well, okay, again, the dentist, <laughs> the dentist with his illegal money in the Caymans, he gets caught because he's an idiot. But the guy who knows how to do it, it's not in his name. So there's no way that the bank in the offshore island can comply with FATCA, which is why FATCA doesn't work. I, I mean, I've been very critical of FATCA. And the government keeps saying to me, it's great, it's fantastic, it does work. No, it doesn't. It's just another coat of paint to try and pretend like something is being done. The fact is, if there was no offshore world to operate illicitly with dirty money, you'd put a dent into crime because there would be no lifeblood for criminal activity. There would be no reinvestment. There would be no, uh, uh, no cash flow. When you interrupt the cash flow of a, any business, drug trafficking business, terrorism, you interrupt the cash flow, you uh, stop the reinvestment, you bankrupt the company. And a bankrupt company means no product on the street. The offshore world is preventing those bankruptcies. With these transactions, as they occur, is any of it being done through cryptocurrency? Is Bitcoin tied up into this? <laughs> or is it all... I'm really glad you, I'm really glad you asked. About a, about a year and a half ago, I published a little ebook called Bitcoin, B-I-T-C-O-N, which tells you what I think about Bitcoin. The whole thing is a joke. The problem with money laundering in Bitcoin is you can't do it. It's really lousy for money laundering. If you are, say, a drug trafficker in Chicago, and you have $5 million every week on the street, and you want to put it into Bitcoin because Bitcoin will allow you to move it to Cartago, Colombia, to the guy who actually uh, is the head of the cartel, You've got to find somebody who's going to give you $5 million or $4 million worth of Bitcoins. And then you've got to move it to the guy in Cartago who says, what's this? And you say, well, it's Bitcoin. It's cryptocurrencies. No, 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 pal. I want dollars. I understand dollars. I don't understand. 
well, we're going to just take it out of Bitcoin. Now you've got to find somebody in Colombia who's going to give you $4 million or $3 million for the Bitcoins. Well, that may work once, but it's not going to work every week in Chicago for $5 million and every week in Miami for $5 million and every week in New York for $5 million. It, the, the market for Bitcoin is just too shallow. The whole thing is actually a Ponzi scheme. It's a, it's a loaded roulette wheel, and it's, it's a joke. Uh, Bitcoin it won't work. It can't work. Uh, it will fail. I believe it has failed. Do you have any specific predictions for the next couple of months as far as any further fallout? Uh, I've heard rumors that more information may be leaked on top of what already has. Do you anticipate anything coming from that? Yeah, I mean, there are 11 million emails to have to go through. Those of us who get 40 emails a day, that's a lot of days worth of emails. <laughs> 11 million emails. Uh, yes, there'll be other people. There'll be names. Listen, David Geffen's name is on that list. Now, I don't think David Geffen is avoiding taxes. I think David Geffen had, you know, the, the DreamWorks guy probably had assets uh, in the Caribbean that he didn't want to repatriate through some sort of a business, and he formed a shell company. I, you know, I, I, I don't worry about him. I worry about the Colombian traffickers and the Mexican traffickers who are using these methods to refinance crime. I worry about the terrorists. I worry about the fraudsters. I worry about all of the people who are using what is legitimate in some countries to further their criminal ambitions and their terrorist ambitions. Uh, will more names come out? Probably. But will the big names come out? No, because the dumb ones get caught. The smart ones have figured out how to avoid it all the time. That's really fascinating. You've covered so much, so much area of this very complex but very pervasive problem that the entire world has. So thank you so much for joining us today, Jeffrey, and thank you for listening this month. You can find all of our podcasts on acfe.com slash podcast and in the iTunes store. This is Sarah Hoffman signing off.